excited about 2022 and the rest of the time you know that's got to upset hell that we're not depressed we're not oppressed we're not depressed we're not any of that we're going to be greatly impressed in our God now on the eve of Pentecost Sunday last Saturday we just happened to be with a group of pastors in western North Carolina and uh, we were praying on Prayer Mountain. They have a prayer mountain over there. But also we heard about these Koreans that were going to be scattering about America praying for our nation. And one of the places was to be the Sharer Schoolhouse. And we just happened to be close. Happened. How many of you don't believe in coincidence? You believe in divine providence. And, uh, but anyway, so the Share Schoolhouse is no longer there, but they have a big plaque. But it's, it's where in 1896, some Baptist pastors got burdened over their community, and they began to pray for more of God. And guess what happened? More of God came. The Holy Ghost showed up. And they began to speak in unknown languages, and uh, anyway, it was strange and different to them. They didn't even know what had happened. They had to go to the Bible to see what, if this was real. And they found out that it was. But anyway, it was amazing to be there on that property. And I just was, you know, we, we didn't go to soak up. We went to honor, but soaking up wouldn't be bad either, actually, and you know, God do it again. And so we were praying for that. But anyway, as, as I, I can't remember, I got on my knees. I just thanking God for that move. Because Azusa Street happened 10 years after that. And Topeka. So it was really a really foundational place for great revivals. And I know that the guy in um, eastern North Carolina that... We went to his grave and just happened to stand on his grave, you know, by accident. But anyway, it was, um, anyway, he was touched mightily. So anyway, we were thanking God. And then Bonnie Jones sends me a text at the very moment. And I, th- I thought this was pretty amazing. But, um, you know, Bonnie said this. She had a dream last Friday night or Saturday morning about the gathering and she calls me, or she texts me at the very moment. We're at the, the Share Schoolhouse. And uh, what she said, I'm just going to read it and, and uh, share with, with you. And pray and say yes and amen. Some things you don't know what to do with. You just say yes and amen. But what she saw was a number of blank checks written out to the gathering. And um, she said there were no numbers on them. There was no account. No one had signed the check. They were blank. All that she saw in it was the gathering church. And there were many of them. And she said, she in the dream, Bob Jones, Bob, her husband, showed up. And she said, every time I see Bob in a dream, it means a whole lot. So she went over in the dream to Bob and said, Bob, let's fill out one of these checks, you know, with some unbelievable number and send it to David. And just for the fun of it. And uh, so, and this is in a dream. And anyway, 
they didn't do that because it was a dream. But anyway, then it shifted. I don't know all that means, but I'm, I'm asking God, Lord, can we fill in those checks? And this, this would not be a bad time to have some blank checks from heaven. That'd be an amazing time. I'm going to believe God in this hour. People may call me foolish. You can call me foolish all you want. You're going to be anyway when you... Anyway, I'm just saying. Those who were fools for Christ are going to be some of the most sought-after people on the planet in this hour. And those who thought they were wise are going to be the most foolish in this hour. Now, we thought we, they were the... Anyway, I'm not going there. So anyway, it shifts. I'm going there later. There was a mighty sailboat, she said, in this dream, and they were big, tall masks. And there was a powerful wind, a powerful storm, and the ship was tossed in the, the sea. The night sky was filled with holy fire. And she said, a man's arm rested on the sailboat, on the big mast ship. And she felt like God gave her a vision of the, remember, the story of the Moravians that crossed the sea, the ocean, and, and John Wesley was aboard. And Wesley was scared to death that he was going to die. And the Moravians had such a calmness and a peace, and it actually convicted him. He got saved. He got, John Wesley got saved because of the in, influence of the Moravians. But it's an incredible story. But here's what she said. I believe this dream is for the gathering church in Moravian Falls as they have been faithful to weather the storms of adversity. I believe God has chosen them to carry the Moravian lampstand forward. The holy fire and glory of God was in the wind and upon the waters in the dream. And I believe that's what God is releasing on the mountains of North Carolina, particularly in Moravian Falls and the gathering church. They've been faithful to carry forth the Moravian anointing of love, prayer, righteousness, faith, and humility in the same way that the Moravians were fearless during the natural storms, so as the gathering maintained the helm faithfully during spiritual storms. And it's time to fully believe for the manifestation of holy fire and glory to rest upon the gathering as it becomes a place that God has chosen for His presence, a holy habitation. And anyway, I just, I read that. I said, well, for her to send that at the very moment, I'm asking for the fire. That's not bad. I don't live by happenstance. You know, what was the story when Jesus, you know, they come to break the legs of those who were hung. You know, they were crucified. And the soldier looks up and Jesus is already dead. So they don't break his legs, and they just take a spear or the sword, you know, and pierce into his side, and blood and water flow. But do you think that was just by happenstance that they did not break his legs? No, it was to fulfill Scripture that his legs would not be broken, and, I'd, you know, his side would be pierced. Now, if, if things didn't happen just by coincidence with Jesus, everything happened was a fulfillment of what was spoken. What do you think is going to happen with you and me? Now, what was the key for Jesus? He continually submitted to the Father's will, didn't he? 
over and over. He submitted. His delight was to do the Father's will. If your desire is, desires to do the Father's will in this hour, ain't no just happenstance going to happen. Everything that's been written about your life from the foundation of the world and then beyond will be fulfilled. Amen. And I'm just believing that with all my heart. Now, the church is the pillar and the support of the truth. We don't have a choice. If we remain silent, we're going to be held accountable for what we didn't say. So I wanted to say something quickly about the January 6 hearings. Well, that's what I have to say about... No, no, no. Addie came up to us Addie is doing the most unbelievable cute things right now She did a, a, a talent show before us And anyway But she walks up the other day And I did something silly And she went <laughs> like, Well that's what I think about that But anyway If you want to know what's going on Number one You don't want to know I would not watch it, not one second I've not watched it. I will not watch it. It is an example of Isaiah 59. Remember when it says, truth has fallen in the streets. Well, that's exactly what's happening in this hour. Truth is falling in the street. I want to show you something in Isaiah 59, and then I'm going to get in the Word. But the church has to respond. I saw a football coach tried to respond, and then he had to apologize for responding correctly. We're not going to apologize. We stand for the truth and we do not bow to lies. The whole thing is built on a lie. But look at this in Isaiah 59 verse 12. For our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us for our transgressions are with us. Now look in verse 13 of Isaiah 59. In transgression and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt. This is the revolt. And the purpose is to stir up further revolt. Conceiving and uttering, or uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Just and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street. So truth falls... And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. If you dare speak the truth in this hour, guess what? You're going to be the prey. But we just have to be the prey. So make sure you pray before you become the prey. And just stand up for truth. You know, if, any, if that reminds me of anything, it just confirms further that Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's it. That's it. Ain't no government, no Congress, no president. It's Jesus Christ alone. And my hope is in Him. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. And He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. And His word will prevail. And so anyway, if I would encourage you, I wouldn't watch a second of it. There is no truth at all. And look to His Word. His Word is true. But I want to pray. I, I want, you know, we know how to pray about these things. 
The Lord taught us how to pray the imprecatory prayers, and one of those prayers is, Lord, divide and destroy their tongues. Remember that? Can we pray that? You guys game? The camera's not on you, it's on me. So they don't even know you're here. So, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. According to that psalm, Lord, we pray that you would divide and destroy the communications of the wicked, that the American people will recognize the deception and depart and run to the truth. Lord, we ask you that this which is intended for evil would not accomplish the evil of which it's intended for, but just the opposite will occur. It would backfire in the face of darkness, and it would cause many to run to seek the truth in this nation in this hour we pray. Lord, we thank you. It is further reminder that our only hope is Jesus Christ, but he is a sure hope and a sure foundation for which we can stand in this day. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, and you in agreement would say, Amen. Now let's get to the Word. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 makes a statement that I believe is happening right now. And it's going to play out in the days to come. And it goes like this. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. How many of you remember that song, Our Dancing Ladies, did this what a couple months ago? These are the days of Elijah. I always liked that song. But did you pay attention to the words? Let me just remind you. These are the days of Elijah. And um, though these are days of great trial. How do you like that? Of darkness, famine, or trial, famine, darkness, and sword. Still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. It's only the Lord that's going to help us in this hour. Now the title of this message is who is on the Lord's side. Because I believe the Lord is right now, I know some people don't know that he's doing this, but he has a big sword. And he's not come to bring peace, he's come to bring a sword. And so he's dividing the line between those that are for him and those that are against him. And those that are for him are going to be more passionate than they've ever been in their entire lives. They're going to be more devoted, more in love with with Jesus. Their testimony will be Jesus. The reason for that they're making it will be Jesus. The reason for the smile on their face will be Jesus. And it's just going to be that way. But those that are against him are going to become more devoted than ever. And that's just, it's biblical. Now I want you to look with me over in Exodus 32. Is everybody in the house this morning, you guys, okay, you're here, you can't get out. Well, you could. You could run out the door if you wanted to, but I'd send Jerry after you and... Jerry, I'm telling you, Jerry was on fire Friday night, and fire night, Friday night, fire, fire, Carolina fire. He was on fire. I, I thank God for all the people that God sends. Last week, I was in Shelby, and they said the, the guy that had been with Lou Ingalls, he still is, 
was really good. Had a word, a now word from the Lord. And I thank God for all the people that He sends. Somebody told me one time, they said, you should, you should have the five-fold ministry in your church. I said, what do you think we have? We don't even plan it that way. Apostles show up. Prophets show up. Evangelists shows up. Teachers show up. Prophet. And I thank God for that, but we got a bunch of folks in the house that are pretty anointed. And that's pretty exciting. But anyway... Exodus 32, beginning there, I'll read in a moment. But remember, God had delivered the people out of Egyptian bondage. You know, the bondage to Egypt compares with being in bondage to sin. And Pharaoh is a type of Satan, right? Pharaoh held the people in bondage, and and Satan holds people in bondage to sin. And there's a deliverer. God raised up Moses. Jesus is a type of Moses, the deliverer. Thank God for the deliverer. Now, while they were in the wilderness, there was a delay in Moses coming down from the mountain. God had sent him up to receive the Ten Commandments, and there was a delay. And it's in the times of delay that many people grow weary, and they begin to be enticed by other gods, and they they wonder where their God is. And they've waited long enough. And so they're going to find a God that's going to help them accomplish whatever they think they need to accomplish. And that happens even in our day. But look in verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming, and there's going to be a delay. What do we do? James says, you know, endure, persevere until the Lord's coming. This is the hour to persevere until the coming of the Lord. And it's not a time to fall away, not a time to grow weary. You might be tempted, but we can't grow weary, not in this day. I tell you, we must endure all things for the sake of the elect. We must stay the course. We must finish the race that God has given to each of us. You have a purpose that to at great cost, the Lord gave you purpose. And uh, you must finish it. You must. Nothing can talk you out of what God's called you into. But anyway, you know that all what happened. The people began to go to Aaron, make for us, you know, a golden image. And all of these things. And then God was just going to wipe them out. In verse 10, now therefore, let me alone. God said, let me alone. That my wrath may burn hot against them. And I will consume them as I will make. And I'll make you a great nation. And what does God do, or Moses do? He pleads with God. God, please, don't do that. Don't do that. Turn from your wrath. We don't want the testimony that you got them out of Egypt, but you couldn't bring them in. And anyway, he intercedes. And then, so they're on the way down from the mountain. And uh, Joshua is waiting. He's faithful, waiting for Moses. He didn't grow weary. I mean, he might have been tempted, but he just stayed there waiting. So Moses comes down, and then they think they hear the sound of, you know, commotion and revelry and all these things and war, really, in the camp. And verse 18, but he said, it's not the noise of the shout of victory or the noise of defeat that I hear. 
And uh, so he goes on, and then we see in verse 25 and verse 26. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them, Aaron, the priest, did not teach the people the difference between the holy and the unholy. So if he didn't teach the people what was holy and unholy, they threw off their restraints. Now they were demanding that Aaron do their bidding, actually. And, uh, but it was a, they became ashamed of their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, I believe God's saying this right now, whoever is on the Lord's side, come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Now, the Bible is chock full of moments that people and even nations had to make decisions as to which way they would go, as to who they would serve, as to who they would follow. I, uh, I've used this quote before, but yesterday when I'm, I don't, you know, Saturday, I just kind of think about Sunday, and I mean, there's other stuff. I rest and work in the yard and whatever, but, you know, I, I want to think about what's happening. And this thought came back to me, boy, does it fit right now. James Lowell Russell said, once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide. In the strife of truth with falsehood for the good and evil side. And it's right now, this nation is deciding. My own opinion, the nation has already decided. But there's a remnant now that's choosing whom they're going to serve. And I pray that will become you and me. But that's what Jesus was referring to. And I believe that right now is going to happen. He said, either you're for me. Or you're against me. You can't be in the middle. How many of you know that doesn't even exist anymore? You try to hang out somewhere in the middle, you'll be crushed in this hour. It's not going to happen. You've got to be for him. If you're going to walk in the promises of God, you've got to walk with the God who made the promise. You don't claim his promises while living over in the world. It's not going to happen. Now, I want to look this morning at what the Bible says about the choices that we make and what follows. Okay, that's where we're going. And uh, so we're just going to, I feel like we're to throw, I always feel this way. Let's just trumpet the Word of God. Somebody said they saw a trumpet in the prayer room this morning. God, give me a big trumpet. I want to blow that trumpet in this hour. You know, you've got to be bold in this hour. I was thinking of that scripture too, you know, that I might not be ashamed. You don't want to be ashamed at his coming. How many of you know that? That I might not be ashamed at his coming, but that I might not be ashamed, but with all boldness, even now as always, Christ might be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's not whether you and I live or die. What matters is, did you do the will of the Father? Was He glorified in your time you spent on the earth? Or were you just running with the fear of man and trying to get along and trying to fit on, fit with both crowds? Let me tell you, one crowd's going to love you, one crowd's going to hate you. You're going to have to choose. 
And if you follow the one whom they hate, they're going to hate you too. Because they hate him. And it's going to become very known in this hour how much they really do despise him. That's not all the folks. I think many people are just, they're just caught up. They don't realize the depths of darkness that their leaders are involved in. They have no idea who, they, who their leaders worship. And they worship him. They worship him with all their might. And they're sitting in the highest offices in this nation. Anyway, our choices. Number one, God created man to make his own decisions and to choose his own way. Did you hear that? In the garden, God did not pre-program Adam and Eve to obey him, you know, just with a blanket. No, he, he gave them a choice. My uncle in Baton Rouge was a, he got, he made all his money. If he's been to the gas station lately, he, he's losing all of his money. Because it's going to cost all you have, it looks like, just to get down the road. Unless you have the anointing, you might find God will get you places you never thought you could get before. Let me tell you, if you, if you are flat broke, if you have the anointing, and you have access to the checks of heaven, do you think you're going to be a pauper? I thought we were the head and not the tail. I guess it's going to, we're going to see who really, really is the head and the tail in this hour. But anyway, I know it's not about whether you run out of gas or not. If you have the anointing, you're not going to run out. You have the anointing. In fact, it's probably the gas that God gives is probably more expensive in this hour too. The anointing. You know what I mean? It's probably more expensive. It's going to cost you your everything. Everything. You play church, it ain't going to work. But anyway, you've got to make your own decision. And uh, you know you're not going to be pre-programmed. God created us with free will. Now there is this thing called AI, artificial intelligence. I heard where Elon Musk, he's been in the news lately, he, he warned, he's warning humanity, hey, you better be careful with this AI. This artificial intelligence could become more intelligent than you are planning on. Have you heard him say that? I didn't nobody paying any attention. They're paying a little attention to him now because of all the things going on. But anyway, God created man and woman with a free will. We have to choose which way we're going to go. And right now, people are making that choice all over this nation and the nations. Deuteronomy 8.1, And you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years to humble and test you that He'll know what's in your heart and whether you would choose His commandments. They had a choice. Say, I've got a choice. Remember Eve, Adam and Eve, the serpent showed up. You know, God knows, and in the day you eat of that, you're going to die. And Eve agreed, but partly of what the serpent said. You know, we know the Lord said we could eat from any tree, but it's the tree in the midst of the garden. And, uh, but anyway, she listened too much. And uh, we know that she, they didn't die physically. But they did die spiritually, didn't they, when they made that choice. 
And I believe this is the hour. And I, I can hear the Lord saying, if Baal is God, follow him. But if the Lord God is God, follow him. And it's happening. Now, you know, when the Elijah issued that challenge, it said the people answered not a word. Do you know, in not answering in this hour, you're really answering. If you don't say yes to Jesus, you're really saying no to him. I mean, I'm just being honest. It's either yes or no. It's not in the middle. And then the next thing, we must remember that our following our choices will always and inevitably come consequences. Right? If you choose... Anyway, I was thinking of something that happened yesterday, and I paid the consequence for one of my choices. How many of you sometimes you make silly choices, and, and you have to suffer the consequences? Anyway, I, uh, look over real quickly in Deuteronomy. Now, not from Shirley. She didn't do anything mean. Although, the, all the, you know, really, it's the other way around. The other day, I had her on her hands and knees. She was on her hands and knees looking at me under the bed saying, Get out from under there right there. Anyway, you don't understand that. I think I've shared that before, but it just seemed to fit again. No, Shirley is so kind. If I was hiding under the bed, she wouldn't holler at me. She'd holler at me probably. <laughs> but look in verse 15, Deuteronomy 30. What are you doing under there? We have a lot of fun in our marriage. How many of you? You, you can tell Richard and Kimberly have fun. You guys, Lebron, Leo, Brada, and Jerry. Anybody? You guys have fun? Fun? We, man, have fun. Have fun. Oh, man. Look at this. Verse 15. See, I've said before you today, life and good, death and evil. Okay, there it is. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and who? Your descendants, we're going to come back there later, shall live. Now, the next choice, I'm going to move quickly in this because I, I want to get this out. The next thing is the choices we make will affect those that we're responsible for. They're going to respect, they're going to affect them in some way. And that's what we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Not only did he have to choose, it, his choice would affect his descendants. You know, I've often heard that the sins, our sins will affect generations, you know, the third and fourth generation. But also the things that we do that are righteous will affect the third and the fourth generation. The decisions you're making today that are godly, that are righteous, you say, I'm going to stand. I believe God. They will affect your children and your children's children. How many of you believe that? Now, in Deuteron- or I'm sorry, in 2 Chronicles, you don't have to turn there, verse or chapter 28. It's a very important lesson for this hour. Judah was under attack from the Edomites and the Philistines. They'd invaded their cities. And in that chapter, in verse 19, it it says this, For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Judah. For he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. 
And then it goes on, and we, you can read there, that because the king of Judah was influenced and began to worship and follow other gods, it brought ruin not only to him, but to all of Israel. You know, I, I saw the intercessors for America. They put out this, you know, alert for prayer. I thank God for intercessors for America and groups around the nation that are praying. They're, they're on the front line. They're not hidden. You know, they're praying. And, and what it was, the federal government, they said, has, will withhold federal funding for school lunch programs unless you bow and promote the transgender, homosexual lifestyle among the children. If you do not do it, we're going to withhold your funding for your lunches. Sounds like to me you won't be able to eat or drink. It sounds like the pit of hell to me. But the, the sins of a nation, their leaders can affect the people in that nation. How many of you know that? Proverbs 29, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. In verse 4 of Proverbs 29, the king establishes the land by justice, by rightness. But he who receives bribes will overthrow it. Well, we could take off on that. Now, you know, last week, this is, I'm just being honest. At the very same time, South Korea sent, or the churches in South Korea sent hundreds of Koreans to pray for America. And they scattered out all across America to pray for revival and for breakthrough. How many of you think God heard those prayers? Some of us went up to Prayer Mountain and we washed the feet of some Koreans locally. And it wasn't the same ones that came, but I just felt like it's a representative. We wanted to honor them and thank God for their coming to our nation. And then someone suggested, and we all looked around Prayer Mountain at the, all around and just started yelling, Amen! So be it! Over their prayers. So be it, God! And we thank you, you've heard their prayers. But at the same time, they were here praying. Our State Department was there convincing them that we will stand with them as long as they promote the LGBTQI plus ABC, whatever agenda. And I thought, God, isn't it amazing? One nation sent intercessors. And another nation sent absolute perversion. God, how can this be? Was it the, uh, the deputy chairman of the Security Council in Russia? Remember him? Did you see what he said? I'm going to get back to the word, but we need to know what's happening. This is from, what was his name? Medvedev. I can't pronounce his name. Dmitry somebody. He said this. He said, this is not a forecast, but what's already in play. The horsemen of the apocalypse are galloping ahead, and we can only look towards God. And I thought, God, here is a man. He's acknowledging that we need God. And in our own nation, we've asked God to leave. Now, not the remnant, 
And it's the only reason that God is holding back His judgment. Because our nation, many of our leaders have chosen, we will not serve Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do in it? We're going to make the opposite. We're going to be like Joshua. Remember what Joshua said, Joshua 24. He said, now therefore fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods of your fathers, of whoever it is, those that served on the other side in Egypt. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then Joshua made that public decree. Remember what he said? He said, irregardless, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to challenge you right now all across this land. I know we're our nation, and you know too. You can see it. You can hear it. But get your family together. If you mean business with God, get in your living room. Get somewhere. Hold hands and say, hey, we don't care. Regardless of what they say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, he's going to hear that declaration in this hour. The the heart, the Lord's looking right now. The eye of the Lord is roaming throughout this nation, looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him. And he's looking so that he can put his mark upon them. And put his hand upon them. And show himself strong on behalf of those who are faithful to him. And so we got to do that. And I encourage you to do it. And then the next thing, our choices are like drawing a line in the sand where we will not retreat. You know, reading back at that story, the nation plummeted because of the moral decline that was encouraged by its king. Well, in this hour, we need to be more determined to live for Jesus Christ. You know, the old, my mom used to tell me, son, if you give the devil an inch... He's going to take, I'm, what did she say, a yard, a mile. In this hour, he's not just going to take a mile. He's going to try to take the whole thing. He, you know, you, you open the door. But so we must close the door. We must make our choice and say, I'm going to follow him. But did Jesus not say that? If any man come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me and that means our choice has already been made i believe this is the hour the the lord is trumpeting across the land come out from among them be ye separate you don't have to cooperate with their perversion you don't have to cooperate who said where they're going to withhold your dinner well if they withhold your dinner run to the one who created all things And say, God, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. They're withholding my dinner. What you got to eat? You're going to have to put your trust in someone. Did he not say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto me. You know, the football coach apologized. The church can't apologize. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? But he loses his own soul. You might even lose your job in this hour. But if you lose the world and you gain your soul, you've gained it all. And either you're for him or you're against him.
the American gospel that has allowed people to walk down the middle and flirt with both sides is over. It's all over. All of you got to draw a line and say, I will serve the Lord. And I'm not going to back up no matter what they tell me or they, what the price may be, come what may. I was thinking when I, I felt like I told the Lord, you know, Lord, I preach this kind of stuff. This may be my last day in that pulpit. He said, well, come what may. Sure, serve. Choose who you will serve in this hour. If Baal is God, then follow him with all your heart. And go after their agendas. And help them promote it. A lot of people are doing that. A lot of school teachers. They say, oh, I'm a believer in this school system. While they help promote an ungodly agenda that will send the children into the fires of hell. Whose side are you on? You're going to have to choose. I'm just I'm being honest. They say I'm a nice guy here in Moravian Falls, and I am. I'm not a bad guy. I'm just, I'm going to get there. Then the next thing, our choice must be based on the standard of God's Word. Not my opinion. My opinion matters about this much. And yours too. I appreciate your opinion, but when when it comes to God's Word and your opinion, I'm going to choose God's Word any day of the week. I'm sorry. I've had people tell me things, and I think, how in the world they come up with that? It doesn't speak of that in the Word. And now they reject me because I didn't accept their opinion. So be it. You just lost a friend. But you've probably gained much more. Now, when the enemy comes in like a flood, what's God said he's going to do? And that's what encourages me in Isaiah 59. Truth is fallen in the street. You read the rest of that, it says, and, and God saw this and it displeased him. And so he began to take matters in his own hands. And one way he did by raising up a standard. And we have to follow that standard. You know, it, I, I saw this in church history, the Reformation. I hear people talk about we need a new Reformation. But you know what you have to have to have a new Reformation? you got to have reformers. Somebody's got to be a reformer for there to be a reformation, right? Reformation. And I was thinking about the Reformation, John Calvin, Martin Luther, John Knox. Man, they paid a price, and there were others, you know. But there were things that distinguished them. They, they had to make a choice. I know about, you know, the 95 Thesis on the Wittenberg door. Man, that stirred up a hornet's nest, didn't it? But we need some people to stamp some things on Wittenberg doors, the doors of Raleigh and the doors of Washington, the doors of Nashville and the doors of Kankakee, Illinois, wherever their capital is, Springfield. We need to stamp the, the, something on the doors. We need to stand. But anyway, the, ref, the reformers, they had five things that they, they drew the line in the sand. Number one, it was called sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. That when men disagreed with God, they would disagree with man and agree with God. I remember the night that I surrendered to preach the gospel over in Richcrest, not too far from here. That night when I knelt down and opened my Bible and, and I said, God, I'm going to preach the word. And I surrendered to you, and to the call on my life. 
And I, you know, I, that was it. I made a decision. I'm going to preach the Word of God, not the opinions of whoever. And so we have to sola scriptura. Read the Word for one thing, but then stand on the Word of God. God said it. I don't care if everybody in America disagrees with it. I believe God's Word. How many are going to stand? How many? Jesus said, when I return, will I even find faith on the earth? How many are really going to stand for the Word of God? It's going to cost you to stand for God's Word. But your testimony has to be sola scriptura. Scripture alone. Then the second was sola Christus. It means, anybody know? Christ alone. Christ alone. Salvation was in no other. It was not in all the names. It was in Jesus Christ. There's no other name written under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. The American church is going to be tempted to compromise. I'm telling you, you hadn't seen anything yet. I'm just telling you. And God's going to use it all for His glory. There's going to be some that are going to, they're going to bend. And I think when they bend, what they've done, they've broken their covenant with God. They've broken their stand. It's Christ alone. It's Christ alone. That's it. We're not backing off. And then the next thing was sola fide. It means faith alone. Remember, that's what they believe. It's faith. It's not your works. I know you're a really good, you know, believer and all this. But your works is not going to get you there. It's by faith alone. Not an outward religion. And then sola gratia. What does that sound like? Sola gratia. It's the Latin. Grace alone. By grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. And then it was sola del gloria. Alone. That, these are the five, like, tenets of the Reformation. Sola del gloria. In other words, they held to the belief that they, there was nothing of which they themselves could boast, but they were to glory only in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. It was not in man. It was in the cross in which they put their trust. And then the next thing about choice, the choices we make set the course for others to follow. People are watching you. Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren. I, she's watching me. Addie's watching Pop. Melts my heart when she looks in my eyes. She asked me for a chocolate sundae. I'm getting her a chocolate sundae. I don't care. I'm going to find one. And I'm going to enjoy it with her. Maybe she'll ask me today. But anyway, oh, I'm, just, I'm just being real. I'm trying to be good. Shirley is excellent. I'm, a, I'm so impressed how she's anointed for these prep classes. I've never seen this kind of an anointing on my wife to prepare people for the days ahead. And I know some are not, they're paying no attention. There's going to be no oil in their lamps. You watch. You watch. God knows what He's doing. This is happening all over the country. Churches all over America are hearing the sound. And it's been a sound that's been offered all through the Bible. Joseph, I mean, I could show you so many examples. 
Noah per- moved with things that had not yet been seen with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. If he had not prepared, his household would have died. And so it is. God is moving on people right now. Get ready. Well, how are you going to get ready, God? How? How? You just do what I tell you to do, and you watch what I will do. You watch what He will do in this hour. You watch. Somebody going to go to Him with nothing to multiply. God, would you please multiply this nothing in my hand? He said, you put nothing in your hand. I see, you know, anyway, but what if you go with one egg? You come back with two. You might come back with three or four. Let me tell you, we're going to see it. Well, I know. Anyway, I'm just saying people are following our example. Paul said, imitate me as far as I imitate Christ. Basically is what he meant. You don't follow someone just to follow them. You follow them as far as they are setting the course for you to follow Jesus Christ. That's it. You know, this thing about, well, you got to follow me because I'm your pastor. Forget that. You follow us as far as we're following Jesus. The anointing is what you're listening for. Not a position, it's the anointing. Listen, and that's why my wife, I'm, when I hear, she's studying 24 hours a day this stuff. It's, I said, God, how can you, why are you, that's kind of scary at the same time. God, if you're showing all this stuff to my wife, first of all, I'm glad she's my wife. Thank you, God. Oh, man, I got a Proverbs 31 woman. But anyway, thank God. But if you stand for truth in this hour, people are going to notice and it's going to give them boldness and courage for them to stand for truth in this hour. If you chicken out and you won't talk about certain things, then when they get out in the world, they're not going to talk it about it around the water fountain. My pastor didn't say anything about it, so I'm not going to say, listen, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God in every sphere of society. They say separation of church and state, that's hogwash. We want Jesus in everything. We want God's kingdom to rule and reign over all the earth. It's the only kingdom that's going to last anyway. Well, there's a whole bunch more I could say. The next thing. The choices you make today will determine where you spend eternity. That's where I need to wrap this up. I feel like I butchered this message up. You don't know my notes, but I had had so much more I could have shared But I just have to trust. I said what God wanted me to say. I always ask him. Say, God, I open my mouth wide. You better fill it. Because if you don't fill it, I'm not going to have anything to say. It's going to be disaster. You ever felt that way? God, without you, it's a disaster. Well, that's, that's normal Christianity. We all should feel that way. God, if you're not with me, when I go out there, well, that's the way it'll be. But if you're with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's our testimony in this hour. We've said enough of I can't. Well, that's true. In the flesh, you can't. But with God, all things are possible. All things. Nothing is beyond our God. You say, well, 
things are we're going to have big needs in this hour. How many of you think our needs are going to be bigger than our God? Any, any takers? How many of you think our God is bigger than our needs? He's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. You take it. I don't know where you guys are from if you're around here or what, but you take him back with you. He's bigger. You got to show people where you live. I don't know where you, maybe you live here. I don't know, but anyway, you show them, you tell them, our God is a big God. Don't you dare get depressed. You lack, those, the Bible says those who trust in Him will lack no good thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, which means lack. I'm not going to lack. I'm going to have more than enough to finish the course that He set me upon. Does that make sense? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. And you're going to see a lot of the unrighteous begging, but not the righteous. Not the righteous. Now the choices we make will determine where we spend eternity. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will cling to one, hate one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Right? And we begin this message this morning with Moses and his declaration or his question to the people. His challenge. He said, who among you is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And I believe that's what God is saying right now in this hour to the United States of America. Who among you is on the Lord's side? Let him come. And Jesus said, whoever comes... You said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Come, all you that are thirsty. And I, I'll give you drink. And it's a drink that will never run out. And Lord, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for the promises that we have in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to demonstrate your faithfulness in this hour. And Lord, we don't know how. All we know is the who. And the who is enough. And our hope is in you, God. We declare that. And we declare this morning from this place. And I believe many that are listening, watching right now, they, they have the same heart. And we together, we're saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're going to find him faithful. And he's a God that never fails. And I thank you, Lord, we're going to see that. And it's true, it's true. You are faithful, 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 faithful God. Hallelujah. Thank you for choosing us, Lord, to live in such an hour. And God, we ask for mercy for those that... They've embraced everything unholy. God, we know many of them are just, they've been enticed. They've been drawn away. Enticed. And and Lord, you said when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. But we're asking God for the mercies of God in the midst of great sin. Lord, we ask you, let the grace of God prevail again. Let your mercies be made known. God, let the gospel be shouted abroad, shouted throughout this nation. One more time, God, 
Let the love of God be made known that He is a God that loves. He is a God that redeems and restores and heals and saves. Lord, I thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we give you all the glory, Lord. God, encourage the saints. Lord, there's enough bad news out there. God, I thank you. The gospel is the greatest news on the face of the earth. And Lord, give us the grace. Give us the the breath to shout it as long as we're on this world. long as we're here, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that prophecy that you gave Bonnie Jones. We say yes and amen to the fire and the glory. God, we're willing. We're, We're available here. We don't have anything else to do. They turn off the TV. We definitely, we ain't got nothing else to do anyway, God. They turn off the power. But I thank you, they're not going to turn off your power. The power of God is going to be more real when the power of man is waning. It's the power of our God. The power of the Spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. And I pray you'll encourage the saints in that. So, Lord, thank you.